I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. I'm taking my time. All I could talk is starting to ram. I'm letting go lonely. Letting go strife. I just can't get enough of this beautiful life. The Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram's a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. Man, we are wrapping up our second half of our interview with John Singletary author of Leadership by the Numbers, and we're picking up with the withdrawn types. What brings us to a different stance? Uh, Jump into the withdrawn stance. This is fours, fives, and nines. It's going to be a very different, uh, probably, mindset. Yeah, one of the the things I think is important to to note about the the withdrawn types is their, their innate tendency to, to move away from others, to move away from opportunities, to move away from challenges. And, and of course, the assertive types are, are moving against. Uh, so the, the assertive types are going are gonna to step up to a challenge, step right into a challenge, and they're going to believe they can control the outcomes of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe the withdrawing types just don't believe that they can control reality. They don't necessarily believe that they can control the outcome of things. Uh, so I believe a part of that moving away from is if I can't control this, if I'm, if I can't, I'm not ultimately responsible for the change. So why would I engage it? I'll just step back or step away. Yeah. I, I've loved reading about this, uh, like move against, move toward, move away from idea with, with this whole thing. And, and it's, Intellectually, I understand the difference, and it's also completely bonkers to me that assertive types think they can control the world. Because I'm like, I, I have no control of the world around me. What are you talking? You think you can just move mountains? That's crazy. To- it's bonkers to me because I'm the opposite. Yeah. I suppose it got said the reactive types are the move toward other people types, which makes us the most loving of the triads, (laughs) I I believe. That's definitely what that means. No, the withdrawn stance. And let's talk about nines first. We'll start off with with, uh, TJ's type. Uh, John, you write, when working with nines who lead, understand that they need to see the value and strength of their contributions. Their vision for leadership matters and their contribution matters. Be clear about how their work matters and what is expected of them. Nines may, special emphasis on what is expected of them, I, I believe was that was in italics. Uh, it really wasn't. Uh, no, you just read it that no, way. <laughs> Nines may say yes and may even do the work, but this doesn't reflect a commitment on their part. You can help nurture Nines' commitment to the work by discussing its value and asking them to reflect on what it means This can generate a deeper commitment within them for the work as opposed to asking them to simply say yes to something in which they really are not invested. They will go along to get along unless they work with you to develop a deeper commitment to what they're doing. What you hear there, TJ? Uh, I think you should get out of my mailbox. (laughs) That's what I think. there, this actually, I, I've been wrestling with a lot of these concepts for a significant amount of time, um, particularly since I've become aware of them. And uh, the, the idea of purpose and, and being attached to the work that I'm doing and, and as not just as a leader, but even as, a, as someone who is led, recognizing that there is a very, very big difference between me doing work that I care about and me doing work that I'm supposed to do. And, and my commitment to the, the place, to the organization, to the people that I work with is all wrapped up in whether or not I care about the work that's being done. And, and particularly whether I think that the people recognize my specific individual, no one else can do this but me work that I'm bringing to the table. And when they don't, when people around me don't recognize that, it's like, Matt, I might as well give up. I'm, I'm just a cog in the machine now. 
and and it's easy to to fall into that resignation. Yeah, you got thoughts, John? Yeah, one, one of the examples that was at play several years ago in our organization was uh, as a part of Baylor's research activity, we were hoping faculty would write more grants, research grants. And so I was encouraging a particular faculty member who's a nine to, to, to write a grant. And she would write a grant, but it was half-hearted. And what I had to do was, again, it's a matter of kind of tying the dimensions together, but but I yeah. kind of let her reflect on what was important to her, you know, listen to her, some of her pondering, listen to some of the rabbit trails she would chase and and then say, well, that's an opportunity for funding. So, you know, tying, it was one thing to just ask her to do the work. She would do the work, but was she committed to the work? Was she passionate mm-hmm. about it? Right. Yeah. I'll write a grant. But if you encourage someone to write a grant about something they actually want to do, totally different. Right. And then I had to work harder to find sources of funding for those projects. So, it, you know, it, it meant we both had to work in a new and different way, but it helped mm-hmm. us work together better. Sure. Where the feeling repressed numbers that we just talked about, three sevens and eights, need to to get in touch with their feelings. The leading for fours, fives, and nines, I think is going to come out a lot here. It's action repression and a lack of seeing the meaning in an activity, I think really can go together. If I'm a, if you're a leader for a four, five, nine, it seems to me a lot of the work might have to do with that. Like, this is why this is valuable and it, it, I suppose that can be one side sales pitch, but on another front, you know, like, what does it look like to actually get the the four five nine to see that this is work that they care about? As TJ said, I think that's a great like image, and and until you can do that, and ima- I imagine that's going to be a roadblock. Yeah, yeah. The the gut center, the body center, that it's not just about doing. You know, I, I use right. that shorthand. We all do thinking, feeling, doing, but it's not just mm-hmm. about getting things done. It is about passion. It is about commitment. So, so yeah. action is one thing. I know a lot of very active nines doing a lot of things, but commitment and passion, do they bring intensity to to their work? Uh, right. Not, not all the time. Yeah. To find out what, what they, where will they bring intensity is how to encourage their leadership. There's a, a lot of your uh, writing where you replace uh, gut with hands. So I, I really appreciate the uh, head, heart, hands alliteration. That that was nice for me. I, Jeff hates it, but I liked it. And No knock on your the, specific use of it. It's, right, I'm, right. I'm yeah. just a, a, he doesn't a, like alliteration. Alliteration snob. <laughs> Uh, but like seeing the word hands made me really like I, I felt this resistance like it's not just doing but you so frequently specifically pair like a a sense of the intuitional hands like that I think that's actually a specific phrase that you use a couple of times and and really making sure to to focus on that it's not just about the doing but it's also about the the ineffable sense of knowing that comes along with caring about the thing that you're doing. Yeah. You're, you're these types are thinking and feeling and thinking and feeling. So how does the doing tie to the thinking and feeling? Yep. That's when you're going to get your best doings when it's tied to what they're thinking and feeling. Balance. Balance. Yeah. My sense for, for nines is that nines actually do want to do most of the work and get get a lot of satisfaction from the work. Uh, a helpful strategy, I suppose, that we've talked about in the past is uh, putting specific time frames or deadlines on things can be incredibly helpful when leading nines and engaging nines, as opposed to this task needs to be done. It's I need to hear by Tuesday, you know, X, Y, and Z got done. Yep, because later is not a point in time. Right. And thanks, Joe Stabile, for that lesson. <laughs> but it is the, the case, worst phrase I've ever heard. <laughs> I think for for some of us, it may come across the unspoken feeling may come across from nines that they don't care about doing the thing that we're involved in, and I don't think that's true at all. It's it's something else, and so leading nines looks like, as you were saying, like bringing meaning to the work of their hands, and your presence matters. Obviously, is is tied into a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Let's do some fours. Uh, John, you write, when working with fours, let them feel their feelings. 
They may help you nurture your own. You can support the feelings of others without having to feel what they're feeling. Fours may try to pull us in or push us away. Our role can be that of a steady presence, not over-engaging the feelings or ignoring them, but acknowledging them, and then offer support for what they share and what they're doing. Help Fours see the value of their contributions and of being an active and appreciated leader in your work together. Yeah, I'm thinking a lot about um, not just the fours that I have worked with, but also just close friends and and people that that I have been around, been in community with, and and there's it's easy for me to say this because I'm I'm a nine, I'm also I'm also a withdrawn type, and I really feel like I I get fours, but the the idea of sitting with fours in their feelings the same way that they sit with others in their feelings there's like giving them space to have their feelings and not trying to fix it not trying to move them not trying to change what they're experiencing it it seems to me that it also helps them process them in more productive ways and then moving through those feelings into spaces where it's like okay now what are you going to do about it we we've been in this and we've talked about it and we've We've just felt this, and what are we going to do about it now? And and there's there's movement out that that doesn't come from just trying to fix it right away. Our, one of our children is a is a four, and Wendy and I were talking with Suzanne and, and Joe, who are also a parent of four. And one thing she said that I, I don't always hear in her in her teaching, but that really stuck to us in that conversation was. It was related to that that push pull mm-hmm. dimension that that four sometimes uh, invite us into, and and I'm not going to get it exactly. The, I won't say it exactly the way she did, but essentially um, acknowledge the emotional roller coaster that fours are on, acknowledge the ride they're on, mm-hmm. but you don't have to get on the ride with them. Yeah, yeah. And so that was important for me with our with the four that we love in our lives was to, to you, I could be authentically connected to his feelings without getting sucked into them, without having to feel them the way he does. And as a three, I didn't know how to do that anyway, but always either felt shame for that or tempted to try to do it differently. Mm-hmm. And I could acknowledge what he was feeling and how that shaped him and inspired him without having to get on the ride, without having to yeah. get fully, I, I could never, experience the depth that he was experiencing, but just to acknowledge the depth that he was experiencing mattered. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Our role can be that of a steady presence. Yeah. Yeah. Just being present to it doesn't necessarily mean we have to jump into the waters. Right. I think it's worth naming that uh, specifically with fours, you're trying to lead a contrarian. And uh, of all the types, it's going to just be a, a, an aspect. It will take master level to to do this well because of fours will always take that. I want to be different than the crew we've assembled who are seeking to do the task. And so, what does it look like to lead the contrarian along with everybody else when they don't want to be like everybody else? it's sometimes it's not what you say, but how you say it. I don't know that this happens anywhere else in your paragraphs, John, but you elevate what the four um, brings to the table in this paragraph by saying they may help you nurture your own feelings. And that that's a connecting point because fours want to pull people into their spaces. And that's how they connect is I want you to come over here and then let's reflect on, you know, oftentimes on the the emotional qualities and depth of the thing that we're experiencing. And being able to, it seems to me for, for leaders, they, they have to have that deferential attitude of going where the four is going to take them as well, if the four is going to get led. And that, that's what struck me in the, the paragraph. And, it, and it's a challenge. So... Was a father of a four. That's absolutely true for me is, you know, I'm not going to go where he's going with his feelings, but observing him and trying to understand them absolutely has helped me 
sit with my own feelings in ways that I, I just wouldn't otherwise. Mm. Yeah. One of our very first podcasts, it actually, I think is the very first podcast that we have on our feed right now. It's called Just Stance. But we had talked about assertive types and withdrawn types being a yin-yang mixture because, because of exactly this, but especially for fours, fours who have parents who are aggressive types or assertive types seems to me to be a real common combination. And it's always a very yin-yang kind of pairing because of this. The four wants the feelings and the parent is feeling repressed. Whereas the parent is often trying to say to the four, come on, let's do all the things. Let's get going. <laughs> and the four is action repressed. And that combination, it can be a tricky one. And also I've heard from really mature parents in these situations that it also can be one of those places of real discovery and invigoration once you figure out the chemistry. Yeah, it used to just aggravate me when I would say to our four, hey, I need, I need you to do this. And he'd say, give me a minute or... Uh, or he, he would start telling a story or something. And it, mm. and now it's like, okay, I still get annoyed by it. I still am not a patient person, <laughs> but I, but at least I can ask myself, am I going to tune in and be present in this moment? Or am I going to keep plowing forward? And sometimes I choose to plow forward, but sometimes it really does invite me to also slow down. And that's when feelings show up. Yeah. Yeah. Last word on Lean Force. TJ is actually fantastic at Lean Force. Coffee shop uh, owner that he is attracts a few of those those folks yeah, into I'm, employment. I'm a four magnet. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a a, a broader. Uh, this is bigger than just fours, but but there's a a real uh, tricky space of uh withdrawn types being paired together especially in like work scenarios or um any kind of partnership or um like i would guess parenting as well that that it's it's really easy for withdrawn types to let other withdrawn types hold them back and and to not do the things that need to get done and i think that um especially with fours who invite us into the feelings it's it's really easy to fall into that hole and to maybe neglect the task at hand uh, and there's yeah there's a really interesting like the, the idea of being that steady presence as opposed to getting on the roller coaster i think is is a really good word of wisdom to help prevent that combat that problem i often consult with nonprofits or churches or different organizations and a, a, a church staff came to me a few years ago and we're wondering why they just why people are frustrated that they're not doing more and lo and behold their, their church staff was com comprised of uh, i think it was a, a four a six and a nine Mm, yeah, nothing's ever getting done on yeah, that team. Yeah, so and the name of their church has peace in it. So you know, it's uh -huh. like they were yeah. full, they, they had a beautiful mission statement. People mm -hmm. felt supported and belong and nurtured, but they were like, "Oh, this is what people mean." You know, yeah. no attention, recognition of the value of assertive energy. Yeah, but again, it wasn't. You know, the answer was not just to tell them to do more. It's to Okay, in the places where you have found deep meaning, mm -hmm. what does that inspire in you? Yeah. So tying the feeling and the doing was what could help them take some next steps. Yeah. That's a good word. Uh, fives. John, you're right. For those of us who work with fives, share the details needed for the work. They need to know the roadmap and the destination to the greatest extent possible. This helps them feel more confident in themselves, trusting in colleagues, and secure in their work environment. Allow fives time to reflect and think through their work. And when they're active in responding, offer praise for what they do. Yeah, I think this, uh, my thoughts about this tied directly into my last comment. And it's also particularly because my manager at the coffee shop is a five. And uh, like there's, there's a lot about... Um, being very clear about the expectations and then sort of backing off to let them do what's expected of them, not creating a lot of surprises and, and making sure that they understand what they're supposed to be doing is really, really important for fives. 
and and I like the way you you word this with like share the details needed for the work. They they need to know the roadmap. They need to know where they're going and how these tasks are going to get them there. And then you just let them do the work, and and you celebrate the ways that that the, that they have accomplished that. That's also what I see there. It, it seems like fives are going to be the type that is most susceptible to feeling like things are meaningless and mm. elevating meaning for the, the task of the five seem to me that that's really going to be where a lot of the, the work is. The great thing about fives is once they, once they do know it and they have the space and encouragement to engage their bodies, they can, they can become, you know, kind of addicted in the, 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 the move of getting into eight space cause they're acting on those things can, you know, begin churning with them. That was, that was my take. What do you think, John? One of the, one of the fives on our um, team definitely wants the, the information. And one of the things I often try to do is as I'm praising her for what she does, I also try to praise her for how she thinks about what she does. Mm, yeah. Cause I know that for fives thinking is doing something. Right. And so they, they confuse the thinking and, and the doing, at least from our perspective, but, but to celebrate what she's done and how she thinks about what she's done. You're so strategic in how you think about that. It was so important to see how these things connected. Mm. And, and so the thinking and the doing don't get separated. So just point out the ways that they do work together. The work matters. And so does the thought that went into it. Yeah. Cause that's part of how they care for their work. Part part of giving it purpose is to say your mind works well, and you did this like you did this according to how you think, and and that that gives it meaning. Yeah, and and another five will, will come to me with a lot of questions, but I, but I have to to recognize again that's that gives meaning to what she's doing. Yeah, the, the questions inspire the action. I don't think I've put this together, but you're putting your thumb on something. That I think is for all the types is that the encouragements that you give to people who you're trying to lead should target their intelligence center. I want to hear that my work is well done. The thinking behind it or the emotion behind it isn't necessarily primary for me. If you're going to give an encouragement to a five, six, seven, it may be the case that elevating, hey, this was thought through. This was, you know, this was deliberately done. Here are the details that I noticed can be great ways to engage you know their hearts and what they care about most and i assume this would be true for two series four as you as we were talking about winning relationships it's much more the encouragement targeting that person really cares about you you like when you did that thing you could see their countenance change and you obviously really matter to them i imagine that those are the sorts of encouragements that we all want to hear but our what we want to hear is going to be based on 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 our center yeah yeah, I think, you know, when we talk about the centers, we assume there are three distinct parts of who we are, but they're all enmeshed. Right. Mm -hmm. And that creates the the imbalance that visually I try to show in the book through a, a color wheel and how the colors get distorted. And Which I love, by the way, and so did my art teacher wife. Oh, good. Glad to hear that. <laughs> but I think praising the pieces that we can see in the overlapped dimensions that operate within us help us tease those out and maybe create the balance. Mm. So, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hypothesizing this. So I'm still kind of exploring it. it. It has felt true in several of the relationships of my leaders and people I'm working with, but I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how does it work with, with others? But I think there's some, something there that it's not just, you know, if something is repressed, you can't just harp on the repressed center something is repressed. And at the same time, because something is dominant and supporting that, that they're all kind of working together in a twisted way. Mm -hmm. So talking about how each of the three work is something we all have to really understand yeah. in order to make any of them work the way they're supposed to work and to make them work in tandem the way they're supposed to work. Right. And not just the, the yellow and the blue, but also the green. There's the elevating the competence of fives, acknowledging their competence. There's the opposite side, I suppose, to meeting fives, and that ends up being about resources and ensuring that the fives who you're seeking to lead know that their needs aren't a problem. 
Um, alongside nines who want their presence to matter, this is the heart's message for fives. Uh, do you all want to talk about resources and just ensuring that fives know that what they need isn't problematic? What, what comes to mind for me is just receiving their questions well. Mm -hmm. Your needs are not a problem. So the questions you ask me are not a problem. I'm glad you asked that. That is important. You may have asked me the same question yesterday. <laughs> I may give you the same answer today, but I often say, keep reminding me of that. Keep asking me that. Mm -hmm. Keep letting me know because we have to keep that as a priority if we're going to get this fixed. And and providing consistency. That's a big thing for, for me working with fives is it's I I cannot imagine how the the kind of mental hoops a five would have to go through to work in a commission-based space because you can't rely on your paycheck and like that that's the most basic thing about work is that like you go to work and you get a paycheck and and so providing a level of consistency and and even uh even amongst the feedback making sure that there's like this this is what you can expect for me to come back to you with feedback this is when it will happen and this is this is i'm i'm going to tell you about these things before i come to you and then we're going to talk about it and then we'll come back to it later and like just so that they know what to expect like there that's a big part of providing making sure that that they know that things aren't going to suddenly change and they're going to have to to figure out how to get those needs met that's really good well we move from the withdrawn stance to the dependent stance what tj and i call the reactive stance uh we'll start with uh, this ones twos and sixes ones twos and sixes are thinking repressed and i bet you that's going to come out in some of the language here but for ones i'm a one john writes when working with or supervising a one, be honest and committed because ones value these things. Even in times of conflict and when offering criticism, show your commitment to the relationship. Their feeling orientation values this level of connection and they want to know that you support them. Their inner voice is criticizing them and their assumption is that you are criticizing them as well. When you do offer criticism, be kind and gentle and own your mistakes. This also shows your commitment to them and the value of your work together. While ones are doers, they do want meaningful and supportive relationships, partnerships in the world you can be committed to together. When they bring a range of ideas instead of their one right way, and when they see another side of a situation, that is evidence of thinking through bigger pictures at a higher level and is something to celebrate with ones. Uh, what do you see there, TJ? I have a, I, I, there's a big focus for me on that second paragraph because I feel like this was, this was maybe the, the second instance out in the world of me uh, seeing someone understand that the relationships for ones are partnerships. There's, there's so much to, it, it would do us all a great service if we all understood that working together with ones is a relationship. And if you, don't work together with ones you may not have a relationship with them and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just how it is they so much of their emphasis on on how they see themselves in the world has to do with what they do and so that's the focus of their energy and 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 the way they think about the world and and so when you are working together when you're building something when you're doing something in tandem whether it's family or raising kids or uh owning a business or or managing a space or, or doing a project for another person or, or whatever else it partnership with ones looks like working on something together and yeah i think that like recognizing that can dramatically change how you see that relationship because you can you can then meet the one in how they see the world and in how they see them their place in it and start to talk about productive thinking because there's there's so much wrapped up in in what they do that is entirely black and white and when you bring that trust of relationship and saying we are working together toward the same thing then you can help enhance the way that they think about those things that you're doing it's a good example of the moving toward people side of things is the partnership that ones are mm -hmm. craving. 
the uh, what's hilarious when I read this the first time, I, I for whatever reason I I missed the first sentence and and then I was reading through and I was like, this is great leadership advice. I was highlighting everything. I was like, this <laughs> this is what I need to do more. And, and then I realized, oh wait, nope, I, nope. I misread things. And this is about you. One of the reasons that we picked this topic for this podcast was because what I recognized was that I wasn't aware of what I needed from other people in leadership. And this just appealed to me so much. And then I was like, oh, I bet you all the other types have the same sort of experience. It would be real valuable to talk about that. But I do think that this is spot on that one's like fours who are trying to pull you into their emotional life ones are trying to pull you into doing something with their hands and if you're going to connect with a one that's where it's going to be what's great i suppose in leading ones is if if you're on the same page with the one it's probably going to be the case you're going to get a lot of buy-in and commitment and a lot of of action from from a one who says this is how we're going to make the world better and I have other people who care about the thing I do. And, and if not, they're doing things without a sense of meaning or connection, and they're not doing it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. So without you, partnership, it, I feel like it's not the same. Do you see that from ones who, like, can you tell when uh, ones in your world disconnect in that way? Um, like, yeah, I, I'll do this, but. Yeah, more than they probably wish I could see it, but. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I can. I mean, that that's where I, 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 I mean, I appreciate you recognizing it, but I really do think the word partnership matters. It's not a relationship for the sake of relationship, like a two. Mm-hmm. It's relationship for the sake of meaningful work. Yeah. So it is that dominant and support center working together. It's doing and feeling. It's meaning and connection. So if I'm doing it, but it it's not rooted in meaning and connection, then... Why am I doing it? Why am I doing it yep. here? I could do it somewhere else. Yeah. As a one speaking of this, so uh, I don't know if listeners know this. I, I bought a large building a, a year over a year ago, and it's 100 years old. Didn't realize I needed to rezone it. So I had purchased the building. I needed to rezone it. But rezoning a 100-year-old building means everything has to get redone. Every, and I'm I'm uh, 15 months into this. I'm still in the process of doing all the stuff that I can't see any value in. And it has to do with paperwork stuff, uh, the city signing off on things. None of it is tangible. It's all ethereal. You know, there there's a bank vault somewhere with blueprints that they really care about occasionally that nobody's going to look at for another century. But all of my time and energy is being devoted to, to creating those documents. There is no purpose here. It doesn't make the world better. Nothing is built. These are the things. And here's the thing. Not one person at the city cares about me, and I know they don't. And so both those things in terms of I'm not improving the world, and I'm not doing it in relationships, everyone's an obstacle. And like if anybody... Said Jeff, what you're doing is really amazing. I want to come alongside you and get you from here to there because it's going to improve our city. It would be such a massive investment. Nobody is willing to do that because it's all bureaucrats who just don't want to lose their job. That's how the city officials I've worked with all imagine themselves in the world. It seems to me that putting your thumb on on the opposite really matters in yeah, again, in leading ones. Well, and even even speaking to that specific example, the, the, as a partner in that scenario, part of my work is not necessarily to, like, it, it, I, I can't do more to give value to uh, you finding an electrician to redo the entire building because apparently all of the electrical work needs to be done or to rebuild bathrooms that are fully functional because they're not up to code or to put in ramps or pave parking like all of this stuff i i can't give value to this work but as your partner i can recognize the the ways that you see that this doesn't matter and try and help you understand the ways that it does matter. And the future goal that you're working toward has to deal with all of this minutia now. Yeah. Yeah. Another set of phrases, I love your thoughts on this, John, that is brought up consistently in the first paragraph is criticism. One of the very first uh, engagements I had with the city was essentially saying, well, this doesn't matter. Well, we could just move forward. And they're like, you can't move forward. And we got into this this tussle. And the guy said to me, uh, 
well, you should have done your due diligence. And like that, like empowered me with rage for, for, for <laughs> I can only months. imagine. Whoa. But the criticism that is, is all over that phrase ends up being the thing that really struck my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'm doing something in my mind, us purchasing this building improves our city. It ends up, this has been a, a like the, the property we t- took over has been a, a, a blight, you know, it's just a, a space for a lot of drug trafficking and the rest. And we're making it into something beautiful. City doesn't care. Should have done your due diligence. Where That means like, <laughs> sorry, you're on your own, pal. You, um, you should have known beforehand the hoops that we were going to make you jump <laughs> through. Right. I'm a philosopher who's faking it is what the problem is. The, would you talk about um, how criticism works in the life of ones that you're seeking to lead? Well, one of the things that strikes me about several of the ones on on, on, on our teams and in my life is I mean, rarely do I have to criticize them. And I almost... And I never have to criticize them for not doing enough or not doing things thoroughly or not getting it done right. It's usually criticism for taking on too much, for taking too much ownership of things, for feeling like it's all their responsibility or no one else gets the passion they have. So there's a lot to praise in that while I'm trying to say, but you can't do it all. You don't need to do it all. It's not your job. And if I just say it's not your job, that's offensive to them. What do you mean it's not my job? If it's if I don't do it, who's going to do it? So trying to find ways to to praise the work they're doing while asking, do you have to do it all? I imagine one other common point of criticism for ones is how they are coming across to other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, we talk about eights intensity, but ones have, I mean, it is a gut triad. That intensity is just as strong, I feel like, from, from ones. And the pair that with the black and white thinking and, and yeah. get people who are very passionate about something that might not potentially be the only way or whatnot. Or as important as mm-hmm. it is to other people. Yeah. Uh, and like thinking about criticism and, uh, you know, it, a couple decades of experience with working very closely with a one and, and how to bring criticism to the table. It, the the idea of owning your own mistakes in that is so it's so important, and and you can even bring criticism of them in with criticism of yourself and say this is something that you put a lot of emphasis on, and and I don't know that it's as important as you think it is. And they respond, well, who's going to do it if I don't? And you say, I'm supposed to, and I didn't, and I'm sorry. Like like bringing your own stuff to the table really helps counter that to some degree. Yeah, it shows that honesty and commitment that I highlighted mm-hmm. at the beginning, and that's a sign of integrity. Yep. Yeah. I suppose that, to spend positive, the a real investment in the life of ones can come in these spaces of when you have a mutually agreed upon goal and destination. If you are doing your job at a, at a high level or a level that matches the one that can be a real investment because again, there's the partnership. Mm -hmm. If the one feels like they are pushing much harder forward and others aren't keeping up that will that will generate for many ones the frustration and resentment that that ones can struggle with bang twos john you're right for those of us who work with twos allow time for them to process aloud what they're working on we have to be patient as they talk through what they're thinking how they want to respond and how they set limits and practice saying no we often want to encourage the helping attributes of a two We need to do that, particularly since twos find it difficult to hear praise, but we also need to honor and recognize the new ideas, questions, and limits the twos set as part of the balance they're seeking. You got thoughts on leading twos, Teach? Yeah, this is, uh, I I feel like this is the first time it's brought up, but it's very, very clear to me in twos and sixes in particular, but it's, it's also very present in ones, the verbal processing. And as as a leader, as a friend, as a 
counselor and or confidant sometimes to twos and sixes and ones. It can be frustrating is the wrong word. Um, draining? No, that's too mean. Uh, it can be, you know, challenging to, uh, to be present to the verbal processing sometimes, especially when it's like, okay, let's stop talking about it and just get the work done. Like that there's, there's a sense of, of really need it. It's really important for us, especially as leaders to, to give space for the verbal processing for these types, because they 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 are repressed in that thinking center, they need to get their their thoughts out there to know what to do with them, to know how to sort through them, and and with you know thinking about with twos, a lot of that verbal processing is going to be about relationships, about uh, about how they feel about things, about how you feel about things, and and we have to be present to that, uh, or else it like they're they're just going to go find someone else to verbally process to and and uh, i like that that you draw that distinction with um in, encourage the helping attributes but uh they find it difficult to hear praise so it's really easy to encourage the things that we see that we like but they just internalize that as wanting to do it more and we also need to encourage the other parts of what they bring to the table and, and and give them space for ideas. And when they bring up something, like maybe that a two is going to suggest something that you're like, eh, that's not going to work. Let them do it anyway, maybe. And like like give them space to try out new ideas and, and to have new ideas and know that they can move forward in those thinking spaces. Yeah, one of my twos, almost any idea that she comes to decision she makes i'll praise her for it because mm-hmm. it's her decision like yeah that's a good one and you know if it's going to cost us something significant I, I won't do that but most sure. of the time it's not most of the time it's either of multiple options can be fine right but it takes her a while to get to the place where she can see which one she wants to go with mm-hmm. or she might have an idea but isn't trusting of it yet until she kind of talks through it so i really want to honor the the decision she makes yeah. In in my experience here, the pushing twos for the the thinking on a matter that that can be a challenge to the twos, but the real value it seems to me in twos on this front is to push into their emotional wisdom with others. That the real resource that the twos in my life bring to the table end up having that element. It is a thinking element, but it's enga- it's engaging the how how do the relational connections work? You know, what is it that these folks want? Elevating thinking in those ways, I suppose. I, it's one of the things I, I cherish most in the, the twos in my life when they're able to verbalize uh, those elements of relationships. It's a place that, that I have a hard time getting my own mind around. Um, a secondary thing I wanted to bring up with you all is when leading twos, one of the challenges I've routinely experienced is that twos come across as too warm in leadership situations, and I don't recognize that they think things are a problem here, here, and here, because the the warmth can actually be overwhelming. It's similar to sevens who are who are reframing things in an adventurous way. The two is reframing is is painting things in a color where everything is fine. That positive outlook comes into things, but underneath, it seems to me that twos have a sense when things, especially in relationships, have gone south. Holly Oxhandler, one of my associate deans, describes that part of herself as bubble wrapping hard mm. things. So <laughs> she, she, when she needs you to tell me something hard, she'll bubble wrap it. And she'll say, is this too much bubble wrap? And, and I'll have to say, yes, I don't know where this is going. Or no, I understand what you're saying and what you mean. Um, but yeah. I like that. I just I just gave out her secret of how she processes hard things. <laughs> But that the relational, so it's interesting, Jeff, you, 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 the, the relational strength is clearly what twos have. One of the places I think where twos struggle with thinking is also about relationships, though, because they worry mm-hmm. so much about them. I think some of my twos have great thoughts about theoretical things, but they get stuck in their thinking about relationships sometimes because they want to make people happy. They want to mm-hmm. ease people. They want to make sure no one's feelings are hurt. 
So yeah. it's, it's we, we spend a lot of time talking through how is everyone going to perceive a decision we make? And my response is it doesn't matter. And that yeah. doesn't work well to just be that dismissive. Yeah. Especially when it's, when you're talking about twos who have some level of authority, either like the two as a leader, or if you are leading a leader that the space that they need to, to occupy involves not people pleasing and, and you have to, to encourage and give them space to, to sort of delve into, well, yeah, you want to make the people underneath you happy, but also you're their boss and you have, you have decisions to make and, and what can we do together to help you understand where you need to make decisions and, and what might be unpopular and how do we navigate this? Yeah. I just told one of my twos last week, your job is not to make people happy. Yep. And that was so hard. Yep. I suppose this is another one of those catch 22s and I'm trying to put my thumb on this, but twos emotional intelligence is off the chart until she's mm. in the relationship. And then the, the overthinking that was described before comes into play it's here's a relationship i'm in that the those principles or ideas don't necessarily play into so on the one front when i'm saying i long for the emotional wisdom of twos it's actually from the disconnected point of view that two will come with like just high level insights about human er interactions but when they are in the relationship, then all of a sudden, you know, obviously their heart, their buy-in, their desires may begin to taint some of that. That's when they overthink things or yeah. don't think clearly, don't think yeah. from an open mind perspective, but right. reinforce negative thinking. Yeah. Right. Just need a clarified one that I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, last words on, on twos. Moving into this, like, like reemphasizing this idea of, of the, the creating space for their their questions, their ideas, giving giving them authority over spaces. It's also really easy for, especially as leaders, for us to take advantage of the helpfulness of twos. Right. And, and man, that makes us bad leaders. Yes. Yeah, we need to empower them to do what they need to do and stop them from doing what's not theirs sometimes. And part of that involves getting into that thinking space. Yeah. Speaking of around the circle, one of the things I try to get my team to do is learn from the types across the circle from them and around mm -hmm. the circle. So think about what this means to use a two, but think of, but then think of someone who's an eight and how would they respond? Yeah. Think of someone who's a four and, and how they sit with their own feelings and not just focus on other people's feelings as mm -hmm. a five. Think about the seven and the eight. So try, try and get people to see other perspectives, particularly twos, I think really does help them uh, take some risks relationally that they're not right. always comfortable with. Right. We haven't really talked about arrows, but twos and sixes both move towards aggression and stress. And just to highlight it, this, in, in my experience, in environments where there's a bunch of people, if, if a two or a six or a five who also goes to aggressive and stress, if they're healthy people, that actually can be a valuable thing they bring to the table. I actually need energy. when I'll shut down when I go into stress because I go to four. And I imagine, and uh, John will do the same. John will go to nine when stress. And sometimes we need people around us when things are really stressful to, to bring some energy to the table. And... Fortunately or not, two sixes and fives are going to be the ones who who elevate naturally in those spaces. Yeah. Yeah. One of, one of the things I say, it's not to minimize the, the role of a stress number, but I say both of the arrows are resources in, mm -hmm. in some way or another. And don't, you know, for, for people who are trying to figure it out, don't worry which one is which. Just know they're both a resource. Yeah. And the resources often invite balance. So yeah. whether it takes you to a different stance, it typically helps you lean on a different center of intelligence. And all of that invites balance. Yep. One of the things, just to bring in my five child, one of the real resources our five child brings to the table is the one, three, and the eight who are in our house. When they get stressed out, all of them withdraw. And the five child, when everybody else is stressed out, gets up. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, you know, from out of the blue, here comes a voice of reason from the side. And you're like, oh, that's a, we, we all needed that. Thank you. 
Speaking of sixes, uh, John, you write on sixes. When we work with sixes in leadership, we have to learn to appreciate the questions they ask. Their questions can be a way for you to think through things with them. Use them as a way to kindly and reassuringly help them answer their questions on their own. Do not tell them to stop worrying or planning or asking questions. Let them process their concerns with you in a way that can help them develop self-assurance. Sixes will still want reassurance from others, and you can offer that by taking time for caring conversations where you help answer their questions while feeling free to ask them to help answer some of their own. TJ's married to a six. What do you see there? Yeah, there's a, a sort of a, a Tai Chi d- dynamic to this, like almost like using their own energy against them. It's like this is a, a, a worthwhile tactic for um, me and my spouse. And I know uh, an eight, six relationship that uses something similar. We, they talk about holding up a mirror and, and almost like, like I'm going to be present with you while you're verbally processing this, but I'm, I, I want to help you understand that you are capable of answering your own questions and, uh, and, and sort of drawing that wisdom in, out in a way that they can see it like it is so important for for connecting with and leading and empowering sixes uh, because like at the center of that thinking repression they they really easily get stuck in their head and and are filled with doubt about their own thoughts and so remo- like yeah that trying to shut them down is not going to work trying to just give them all the answers it's not going to be helpful but helping them see that they have the answers to the questions that they're asking and and they are capable of doing it is is so good and important and and useful yeah the the way we've jumbled and misused the centers suggests that by nurturing the relationship with a six it helps them develop a sense of trust in themselves mm. so Focusing on that feel and connection does help open some confident thinking. I, right. I believe that they, they, right. they do work together. I suppose I want to, uh, speaking on balance, are there not some questions that sixes bring to the table that actually the team needs to answer, or the leader needs to answer? And this, again, perhaps a catch-22 of, of finding that sweet spot of really inviting sixes to voice apt concerns, <laughs> a worthy mm-hmm. concerns, being able to think through the question prior um, can be a real benefit to the rest of us because it's it seems, is it not the case that that, uh, that went on the opposite side, uh, you know, you can imagine, and I, I assume you would have this experience, John, where the, the assertive types are just saying, go, 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 or, and, and I, me as one, I do this as well. Like, here's the ideal. Since it's the ideal, any challenge that comes up, we'll just, we'll deal with that later. And the six rightly frames, hey, we need to consider X, Y, and Z before we move. Um, yeah. If I'm forcing a decision and sense that I need to slow down, if I ask the twos, they'll talk about the relationships part of the decision that we've made. Mm-hmm. If I go to the six, she'll ask more thorough questions about the decision and its impact and what it will cost us. And sometimes she'll ask relational things, but she asks other good questions. So I have a six that I go to because the questions are so helpful. Mm-hmm. Now, she, she's not always willing to share them with me. So I have to say, I need to know what you're thinking. I need to know what you're asking. What, what do you think is the challenge here? Yeah, yeah. And I think that, uh, I, again, I mentioned this with the eight, like you're you're not going to get a trusting relationship with an eight on day one, and you're not going to get a trusting relationship on day one with sixes either. And you have to develop that uh, that sense of, of loyalty, of fidelity, of, of them being able to trust that their, their questions, their suggestions will not be shut down. And, and not just individually, but but particularly when you're talking about a six in a group setting where they where we need them to bring that stuff to not just the table between you and me, but the table that has 17 people around it. 
the six is going to be much more reluctant to voice their concerns in that space. And they need to develop a, a sense of trust, a, a history of, of being heard and reciprocated and, and fidelity to know that they are safe to bring those things to the bigger table as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'll uh, almost always ask one of our sixes questions before or after yeah. the meeting. And if I can ask them before, then sometimes in the meeting, I can ask the question and then point to that six and say, is that what you're wondering about? Mm, yeah, that's great. You bring it up and and acknowledge them as like, and and you give value to their thoughts from an external source in that way. Yeah. We've talked about this elsewhere when we talk about coping style, but the meeting fours, sixes, and eights, when they are moving in distress, meeting them in these spaces is the investment from the leader is validating how the four feels, uh, validating what the six is thinking or wrestling with, and validating how the you know the intuitions and anger that the eight has. Problem solving for those types doesn't look like a cognitive process if they've reached a place of problem solving on this front, it's who's on my team, who's in this with me. Do you see me as a four? Do you see my questions as a six? What would be the eight? Do you see uh my intensity, my energy? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you get you get surrounded by that in your family then, don't you? In terms <laughs> I see of, a like, lot of people <laughs> people weighing you on the team. I'm sure they never play that off against one another either. <laughs> rough, rough. <laughs> well, we arrive, my brothers. Uh, leadership in the Enneagram. Any uh, any concluding thoughts on on uh, leading with with this tool? I'm so grateful for your investment. Really appreciate you taking the time to to think through it with me. Uh, part Love of what it. I'm trying to get us all to do is just slow down and spend some time with with these things. And I think most of us who do Enneagram work focus on you know, one center of intelligence or the other, but really trying to figure out how all three work together. Take some mindfulness, take some yeah. reflection. And I appreciate you doing that with me today. I think there's there's a lot of material in the Enneagram world that, that wants to apply apply the system to, to more practical uses, but I don't think there's a ton of stuff that's been done really well. And, and I like seeing, I think there is a, a sort of next phase of Enneagram work. And I think we're going to see a lot more material like this of like, it's, it's not just about knowing the Enneagram and how you can use this tool to be a better manager or, or to manage your employees. Like it, there's something about really understanding the work that's involved in the Enneagram and then you take that work and sort of apply this filter of like when you do good work you become a better leader um kind of stuff and and i really appreciate that a lot and i'm excited to see where these things go agreed uh he's john singletary his book is leadership by the numbers just uh, to plug it if you're looking for a depthier dive into stance into secondary centers into into all the centers into wings and arrows Lots of great stuff here uh, to digest. It's a great text. It just kind of has it all in one place. Found that really valuable. Uh, and he goes beyond that, obviously. Talks about how you can use it in leadership and relationships. So very solid. Thank you very much for being with us, John. An honor. Thank you. Where where can we find your book? I uh, can order it through your local bookstores, but it's also available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Everywhere that fine books are sold. Everywhere the books are sold. <laughs> well, friends, it would mean the world to us if you share this episode with somebody you love, preferably somebody who's into leadership, uh, who has a job overseeing folks or a parent or an educator. These are all great tools for those sorts of folks. Uh, as we see every time, we are meeting once a month uh, through 2003 on Zoom. We would love, love, love to have you. We've been talking about relationships. You can go to aroundthecircle.org and click on events to find out where we're doing that. And as we say every time also, uh, TJ and I just la launched two new podcast feeds. One is for beginners called Start Here for people who are looking for their type. And one is called Movie Typing for those who uh, aren't so into the theoretical but like seeing the types discussed through film and pop culture. 
And so uh, both those are out there, well worth finding. And uh, if you really want to show us love, uh, what would they do, TJ? Uh, something about stars. All stars. Giving us stars. Do you, John, do you like gold stars? Man, we, I will. I will dole out some gold stars. <laughs> we long. I long for stars, and I boast about it to TJ, who goes, eh, "That's great, cool." <laughs> I need stars. Is it three? He's John Singletary. His work is fantastic. He's TJ. TJ. <laughs> He's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. You got anything else, TJ? I got nothing, man. I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't isn't interesting.